my brother Jack up to give us a testimony on the, this morning. <clears throat> let's just begin by standing and let's pray and open the service in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just love you and we appreciate you, Lord, this morning, Father. Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the honor, all the glory, Father, Lord. Lord, we recognize that you're the magnificent, Father, Lord, that you're the conqueror of all, Father. And Lord, we ask you, Lord, as we enter into this service this morning, that your will be done, Father, Lord, that your atmosphere be made, Lord, for the word that our hearts and mind and spirit be open to receive the gospel for this hour. And Lord, we give you the praise. We give you all the honor, give you all the glory in Jesus' wonderful name. And the church says, amen. amen. I want to greet a few guests um, this morning. Um, Grandma, she had a visitor, and we want to just welcome Sister Evelyn. Amen. Nice to meet you. Amen. You're welcome. Amen. Amen. Also, uh, Emily Curtis had a family here. Amen. And I believe they sing. Amen. So we definitely have to see if we can get Miss Sister Sally Duke and husband to give us a song. Amen. Amen. No husband. Okay. He gave me the look. Oh. Well, God bless you this morning. Amen. We're going to have Brother Jack if you come. Amen. And I'll give, our, give your testimony. You may be seated. Amen. I ain't nervous, I'll tell you. It takes God to do what just happened to me. Brother Luther prayed two weeks ago. I was that brother that's fighting two devils. And I'm still fighting them. Y'all keep praying for me this coming week. I'm going to be still fighting. This thing's coming once again. <clears throat> it's come again. Now, Sister Kathy was last year. Brother Jack had to take that sword. And I, I went out there. I went to Gangsville, Florida. And I come back out there. I'd come back and I fought, even when I got home, I fought that devil. This thing was a two-edged sword, and I'm telling you what, when you got that word in you, you don't have the word, you hear me? Because Satan, Satan's got no power over us. He ain't got nothing but a bow with no arrows, you hear me? Amen. <laughs> anyway, I'm telling you, I, God's been waking, I ain't been able to sleep hardly. I, I told Sister Kathy, I laid in the recliner last night before dark come, and uh she took a picture of my mouth was open. I was sleeping like crazy. But then from, from 8 o'clock or something or 7.30 to all night long, I hadn't slept. God has been dealing with people. <laughs> ain't nobody hear me. Ain't nobody. But I, I, I didn't get no sleep last night. All I done was laid in my recliner. I'm like, Brother Jason, men, Brother Jason taught me driving that truck back that y'all going to see out there. The power of God come down on me and I was... Brother Jason felt it. I don't know what something's happened, but Brother Jason felt it. And uh, and I just uh, give all the glory to God. But I had no sleep. I just closed my eyes and laid there, and God talks to me. I ain't, I ain't nothing. You hear me? I ain't nothing. But God Almighty, I mean, Sister Kathy has dedicated our life fully to this message. This message, this message, truth, people. Amen. I know where I'm going. You hear me? I could drop dead right now, and it don't worry me one bit. That faith has dropped in this heart. You hear me? I ain't been with y'all very long, but I tell you what, this ain't Brother Jack speaking here. Y'all have never seen Brother Jack guess. You hear me? Y'all have never seen him. Oh, God. Uh, 
I wrote this down. <clears throat> when this started coming to pass, Brother Luther prayed that I was that brother of them two demons I've been fighting. When this started coming to pass, he, Christ, came to me at 2.30 a.m. I might cry like a baby, but this is real. Amen. At 2.30 a.m., I woke up crying, talking to him. And then he led me to my recliner. And me and Brother Jason corresponded with that. He said, Brother Jack, when I sit in my recliner, he comes and talks with me. That's the same thing. Well, I ain't no minister. And I told Brother Jason, he's found out, Brother Jack, that first time I come up here, he said, you ain't going to preach, are you? He said, no, Brother Jason, you can lay $10 million on the hood of my truck, and I'll tell you, take that money and go. I am not called to preach, and the only way I'll get up here and preach Jesus Christ will have to come back himself and tell me face-to-face, -face, and that revelation hit me when I give my testimony in Macon, Georgia. I, a brother said that. He said, you, I believe you called to preach. I said, you listen to me, and that revelation dropped down in my heart right then. And uh, I said, listen to me, I ain't called to preach. Jesus Christ is going to have to come face to face to me and tell me himself. And that revelation hit me like a rock. And I said, that ain't going to happen because we meet him in the air. He don't come back down. We meet him in the air. Right. Whew, this is rich. <laughs> uh, then he led me to the recliner, showed me the power of prayer. You must have 100% faith together or your pastor can't help you. And Brother Jason Watkins, I got 100% faith in that man. You hear me? Now, it was everybody's prayers together, but whenever me and him prayed, I don't know, there's they, something there. There's just no doubt whatsoever. And I told Brother Jason, I said, I just lost my job. I just lost my excavator. And that Brother Tony, I just lost that brand new Peterbilt truck, only 11,000 miles on it. But that's not my God. I didn't have one thought about it. I lost that truck. They called me in and said, I don't need you no more. Wouldn't tell me why. I said, tell me why. This man let his daughter take the place over. I've been with them nine years. I didn't have nothing in writing, but I, they, the man, her daddy was losing his mind like, and this man that was sitting in the office with him, he, they got rid of him, giving part of the business, and I went straight to him when I found out what happened. I said, you need to go to them. I said, you, you know what we had. I didn't have it in writing. And I said, uh, the agreement we had, that I, I haven't helped them in a year. I've got my own work in a whole year. Hadn't even helped them take their machine and go do the work. I could take that machine and rent, rent one myself. I made them $90,000 in one month. I could have took a rent a machine and put $50,000 in my pocket. But this brother here don't chase money, you hear me? I hope this is a blessing for somebody. I know it's got to be. But anyway, I'm going to read you what, whenever that, I sat under my chair and that come. God, this little tablet's help, Brother Jack. I know you're my... See, some, this is a Bible on it, too. I got the Bible on it. But I'm telling you, this tablet has helped, Brother Jack, because I can follow along with that prophet. And God is just opening things up to me, opening things up. When he, when he revealed that to me, I punched on my tablet and punched in uh, about your pastor. Listen to this. This is not my words. Your godly pastor, his holy sanctified hands upon you, you know, you called him to pray for you. And that's exactly what I've done. When I, Brother Jason don't hear from me much, but whenever I call him, he knows it's something serious because I know he's a dedicated man of God. I send him text sometime, and he loves that. And I sent him a text the other morning. I said, I'm sorry I sent you a text early, but I've been bubbling over and I couldn't hold it. <clears throat> he said, uh, said, what is it? It's your pastor's faith with yours. Yes, sir. He's not a sideline man. He's a God's servant right up in the front line with a two-edged sword in his hand. Right. Certainly he sure is. And here's another one. Put your hands on him by faith and believe it. That's where it's at. Hmm, this is Brother Brandon. Ask your pastor to pray for you. 
Prayer changes things. What does it do? It doesn't heal you. It gives you faith to accept what God's already done for you. Amen. And uh, this, this is the house of judgment. House of God where God comes down and passes his judgment. Your pastor is supposed to be a righteous man. And Brother Jason is. The congregation is supposed to be with him 100%. You're supposed to be 100% together. I, I can't, I mean, something else happened, but I can't, God didn't want me to say this. And in there, if you're not, then Satan's got a way to get in. But this takes a consecrated life, a dedicated life. And this, we no time to fool around people. This thing's fixing to close, I'm telling you. This, this, this robe of flesh, y'all ain't never seen me, but this robe of flesh is fixing to drop. And this body's fixing to be changed. Oh, God. Oh. All right, now, I called Brother Jason. I said, uh, Brother Jason, I need you to pray for me. Uh, I just lost my job. I just lost that brand new Peterbilt truck. They told me to go clean my truck out. They wanted my pickup truck. Give me your phone, your credit card. They wouldn't tell me why. I said, tell me what's wrong. And I knew sooner or later it wasn't going to work out because a woman, his daughter, took it over. And then uh, said, we sending the boy, I'm sending the boys right now to your house to get the low board truck. I said, that's fine. Go ahead. I'll go clean my truck out. I went and cleaned my truck out. Oh, my God. And uh, I said, Brother Jason, I need you to pray for me. I said, everybody in Brunswick, Georgia knows me and knows my character. They know what kind of man I am. I'm going to tell you, there's some people that ain't even, don't even know Christ and people that might know Christ and but they know what happened and, and they're mad about it. They said, I know, we know Jack Guest's character. I said, I got five different companies right now. They, they approached me two years ago when we sold part of the business out. One of them was a county commissioner friend of mine. He said, I'll buy you anything you want if you come with me. But see, that, this brother don't chase money. Uh, and I said, uh, I got to let the Lord lead me. And I told Brother Jason, I said, I need you to pray for me. I got five different companies ready to buy me anything I want, but I got to know the perfect will of God. He said, Brother Jack, don't, don't sound like I need to pray for you a job. Sound like I need to pray which one. I said, that's exactly right. And Brother Jason, I didn't know this, but I, I had five things, five things wrote down. How many people go to a job and tell a man, this is, what, this is how it's going to be. You're going to have to do this or I ain't coming with you. And I kind of find out I had seven things. I wrote it down. I got it. I wrote it down, all seven things. And I told Brother Jason, I said, if this man, he's only, he's only two minutes from my house, 43 years old, loves me to death because he knows my character. And he, uh, I said, if he don't agree to these uh, five things, Brother Jason, which it was seven now, I said, if he don't agree to these seven things, I'll know it ain't the will of God for me to go there. Yeah. See, this is faith. This is faith. Not Jack Guest. The word, hearing the word builds faith. And I ain't where I'm supposed to be yet, but I'll tell you what, I'm steady gaining. And I told Brother Jason, I said, I wish God had moved, moved me here 15 years ago. But me and Sister Kathy waited. We prayed a whole year. We would not move on our own. And I said, they ain't no devil in hell can shake this brother from this place. You hear me? I got a clear-cut decision. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, and then I said, uh, uh, I said, if he don't agree to these seven things, I ain't going with him. He said, that's the way we're going to pray it, Brother Jack. And if he don't agree to them, my second choice was a county commissioner friend of mine. And then I didn't know, but I got seven choices. My son, my youngest son, tried his best to get me to go with him. He said, I got all kind of people. I got work. You got work. They're looking at the dollar. This brother ain't looking at the dollar. You hear me? Anyway, uh, so I said, no, I can't do that. But anyway, 
So I, I prayed about it. When I got out of my recliner, that same message, uh, you can't put something like this together. That same message when I went to get Sister Kathy, my angels would go before me. When I was sitting in that recliner, when I got up that morning, I said, Lord Jesus, your angel will go before me. And I'll tell you what, if I, these eyes have been open, and uh, there's some other stuff happening. I told Brother Justin, I'm hoping to see that angel that come to me. Uh, if God permits it, if he don't, that's fine too. But I, I said, uh, and I got up and told Sister Kathy, I'm going to talk. I said, and she'd been pray, she prayed for me. And I went to this man, listen, I went to this man. And I said, uh, I got seven things you got to agree to. And I already signed my name to it. I said, I ain't going to get messed up again. Me, give, me giving money away to people and they don't even appreciate it. And I could have been a, boy, I could have been a multi-millionaire with this other fellow I worked with. I didn't do this until I got a clear-cut decision from God. I didn't work for five solid months when God, uh, I didn't even know Brother Jack Palmer, but I went into a two-week fast and God laid them all. I didn't hunger or nothing. But I tell you what, time of coming out two weeks fast, I didn't know Brother Jack Palmer from nothing. A woman that still smoked got him to come to Patterson, Georgia, two miles from my house. And the house is still standing out, just about to fall down. He showed me that film. I went to Brunswick, Georgia, and I got me a job. And I drove back and two for 33 years to making Georgia. Me and Sister Kathy and the young. We packed the youngest in there, leave early and get back at 9 o'clock at night. And anyway, uh, so then I, I said, I got seven things you got to agree with. He said, uh, He's got the paper from me. I, got, I ain't got it with me. Anyway, uh, he got the paper from me. He looked at that thing. He said, Jack, guess I ain't got no problem. Just sign that thing. And I told him what I had to have by hour. And he put that on there. He, he told the secretary, make a copy of this and put it in our file. That's mine and Jack Guess's uh, agreement. <clears throat> Woo. Man. And now listen to this. Kathy said, why in the world did you do this? But see, I'm led of the Spirit of God. When God tells this boy something, my, young, my oldest son said, I'm sure glad you bought Abraham because you would have took that sword and cut me, killed me. I said, you're exactly right. If he told this brother here to do done that because I'm Abraham's seed, I would have sure done it. <laughs> and anyway, anyway, that's another thing. I didn't have this in there. God put it in there. And anyway, uh, how many, I mean, that's seven things. You don't go to a boss man and tell him what you got to have. Now listen to this here. Uh, I said, I want to pick out what kind of truck I want. And I said, it's got to be exactly what I want. He, and, and he said, uh, what do you want, Jack? I said, I want a Chevrolet or a GMC. And I said, um, he said, well, I said, I want to pick the color of it. And that reminded me of that little girl, Brother Brandon, pulled to her. She didn't have no eyeballs, and them eyeballs came in there. I'm still his child. She was his child. And he stopped for a minute, Brother Brandon, and said, what color do you want, baby? She said, I heard blue was pretty. And oh. give her the prettiest blue set of eyes you ever seen. That same God didn't leave with Brother Brennan. He's here with us. You hear me? All it takes is faith. Brother Brennan said, if I, I can produce it, the congregation get consecrated to God and dedicate their life to God, come with one mind and one accord, they won't never sick person walk out of that door. He'll be completely healed before he walks out of that door. That's not my words. Anyway, I said, uh, what, he said, what color do you want, Jack? I said, well, that one I had, that boss man gave me, he, that boss man gave me a truck and he took my old one. And that speaks for itself there. And I, uh, I said, well, I like that uh, dark charcoal kind, but I really like burgundy. <clears throat> he started smiling. This man already picked my truck out for him, went to work with him. He started smiling. He said, I already picked your truck out, it's burgundy. And he asked my wife before we even went to the mountains, me and Kathy already planned to go to the mountains anyway. 
And uh, he asked my what's your wife's name, Jack? And I didn't catch on to it. I said, Kathy. And we didn't pay for most of the motel room, but I mean the cabin. And he, he called before we got there. I hadn't even went to work with this man. He didn't know if I was coming. Undoubtedly, he felt something. And he, he paid for our cabin. We didn't know a dime when we got there. I hadn't even signed on with him. That's God. I'm giving credit. This boy, he won't take no credit from God. He knows this boy. You hear me? God knows him. And uh, so he said, I done picked you one out. It's Burgundy. This boy is only 43 years old. He said, I've been knowing you, Jack, since I was a little boy. You done work for my granddaddy. And said, so I know your character, buddy. He said, everybody here in Glen County knows your character. That's the reason everybody wants you. And, uh, uh, and they know every, uh, the business I got built over the years that God gave me. And anyway, he, we, I went with him to Folkestone, Georgia. He had a business down there, and he already talked to the man that works with him, and he had a truck, and he was going to buy him a new one. Now, look, you want to watch God. He had a new one, and uh, he said, uh, I can't sell it, Josh. Uh, I can't find what I want. They said it'd be January for they can find what I want. And me and Josh started to back up, and he said, there's a truck right there, Jack. And he said, I could have swore that truck was burgundy, but it was a brown color. I said, Josh, you remember what we talked, what happened there about that burgundy truck? He said, yeah. So we looked everywhere. Me and Sister Kathy looked, she'd tell you, we called. I called North Carolina, close to Virginia, had two, but they wasn't a color, and I didn't feel good about it. I was starting in the flesh, and I said, well, no, that ain't what I'm supposed to get. And Josh, I said, I'm going to Baxley, Georgia. This man, Woody Folsom, he got, he got a half a city block, Chevrolet, GMC, Ford, he got all of it. And uh, he called him, he, he called him, he said, Jack, I called him, he ain't got one. He said, you can go if you want to. I said, no, I ain't going. <clears throat> so uh, we went, uh, I had to move a machine there. So we went to uh, Jacksonville. And on the way to Jacksonville, Kathy, I, a spiritual person nervous, and Kathy gets upset. But when that, when that Norton comes on me, I get so nervous, and I get, I get to staggering like a drunk man, people. And just, that ain't Jack Guess. And uh, she's she seen how I was this week. So we got in the car, let her drive, and I punched in. We don't have internet, but I punched in on the data thing on the phone, and um, I punched in GMC dealership. And the first one coming up, it said GMC, and I thought this, I punched on it. It was a car lot that mostly sells cars, but they sell some trucks too. I said, I'm coming to Jacksonville, Georgia. What kind of trucks you got? I'm looking for a 2500 heavy duty a Chevrolet or GMC uh, diesel automatic, Allison automatic. And uh, he said, I got three. He said, I got a burgundy one. <laughs> Woo, you talking about something. He said, I got a burgundy one with only 39,000 miles on it for $69,000. This is y'all's prayers, I'm telling you. This is y'all's prayer. This is the power of prayer here. Not Jack Guest, not Brother Jason. Not only this church, I had Brother Tim Pruitt's church praying. Brother Wayne Lawson's a personal friend of mine. Me and him talked. I had him praying. I told him about it. And, uh, and Sister Kat said, what you want to call them? I said, I want to get everybody I know to pray. and Because uh, I know what they're done for her, see. And so uh, he said, I got that burgundy, and I got a brand new one just rolled off the truck. And he said, you can uh, pick which one you want. And he said, I got a black GMC Denelli. And so I said, I said we've been in a minute. And we got there, and I didn't even call him. Me and Sister Kathy pulled in. The cars was up front, and I pulled right around back, and here sat that burgundy truck sideways. She said, look at there, what a beautiful truck. I said, I said, yeah, that's it. That's it. And uh, uh, so she got out. And I said, where you at? Where you at? She done got in the driver's seat of it. I didn't know where she went. And I said, uh, um, I started crying when I got out. I started crying. 
And I called the boss man. I said, this one's 69,000. No, the corner man, the corner working man would have picked this one right here. This just come off the showroom floor, 11 miles on it. I could have got that truck for $80,000. But you remember that burgundy truck I was talking about? This is the burgundy truck with 39,000 miles on it. I'm going to tell you what, them, them people at that car lot, they got witness to. I didn't have to put no money down on it. I said, let me tell you something. If you sell that truck before I get back, I said, we're going to bring you a check. We don't need no financing. This man I worked with, he said, we're going to bring him a check, tell him. Uh, he said, tell him, I said, I'll be back tomorrow. I said, I pity y'all if y'all let that burgundy truck get away here from here before I get back. And you know what? The boss man put it in my lap. Say, God want to see what I do, see. But he knew he could trust me, see. But he put it, he said, I'm to put it in your lap and see what you do. My boss man called me. He said, Jack, it don't matter to me. Whichever one you want, I'm going to buy it. I said, okay. <laughs> I went back in there and talking to him. I said, well, my boss man told me any one truck I want, I could get this brand new truck or I can get this one. I said, you know, I said, I'd be scared to death to pick this truck. I said, because when I drove off, I'd have gotten a wreck or got killed. I don't know. I said, but I am not picking that truck. <laughs> I said, I'm picking that truck. I said, and, and he said, I said, you have it flat full of fuel when I get back and have it ready and we'll bring you a check. We don't need no financing. And the excavator they took from me was that one there with 6,400 hours on it. This is God, people. That's a brand new one. He said, he called, he called the Caterpillar place before I even went to work with him. He said, Jack's going to call you and you let him pick out any machine he wants. It don't matter. Whether he wants, the one that he, I picked was a Caterpillar uh, uh, 336-441,000. He said, if Jack wants that one, I'm going to cut you a check for it. We don't need no financing. But uh, he, they didn't know it, but I already called the John Deere place because in my heart, I wanted the same one I had. This machine here only had... 300, uh, 230 hours on it. And, and it was in Orlando, Florida. And my cousin used to be the salesman there, but he got out and did somebody else. But they knew me. All them John there people know me. And uh, he said, Jack, I can get you this one for 341000 My boss, boss man, I just heard him and said, bring it on to John Deere. If Jack uh, runs it and he likes it, y'all got to take it to Savannah, uh, the airport in Savannah, he's got a job there Monday morning to do with it. He said, but if Jack don't like it, y'all can take that machine. And anyway, I went and run it. Kathy came down there and took pictures, and I run this machine. And I said, we'll take it. And uh, Josh called him. He said, we don't need no finance, and I'm going to bring you a check, 341000 plus tax. This is God, people. Yeah. There it is there, me standing on it. I tell you, you put God first, you ain't got to worry. You ain't got to worry. He'll take care of you until I leave. I hope I don't never have sat in that seat because this ain't my God. That's my God. And he's right in here. I've been sealed and they can't, nobody tell me I ain't been sealed. And then he called my buddy, my county commissioner, and bought this dozer for me too. And I, and I was sitting in the seat with him. My county commissioner friend didn't know I was sitting in there. He said, I got a uh, Jack guest sitting and see. He said, I'm going to tell you what. When that caterpillar man told me he's going to you, I tried. I scrambled. I said, I can't talk to you anymore. I've called Jack guest and see if he's going to you because I was buying that man anything I want. He said, I'll let you have that dozer for a hundred and I want to let you see how God's already working. Um, I'll let you have that dozer for $130,000. I can't say what, we, what, what was said. I'll tell you on social. But anyway, I said, let me, let me, uh, 
let me talk to him. He said, I got Jack Guest coming around. I knew what the dozer was because I know the man. I run it three minutes, parked it. I said, it's, it's what we want. I said, but let me talk to him. I can save you some money. I talked to my friend. He said, I'll let y'all, since you hit him, I'll let you have it for $125,000. I saved him $5,000 just like that. And anyway, I've had, I've had five to ten machines. I have never, never had one with this on it. You're talking about God? A shield and a cross. On the bucket, I've had five to ten excavators brand new. I've never had one like that. God bless y'all. I love you. I told Brother Jason I'd take it short. If y'all want to hear the rest of it, in the social hall. Because I don't take God's time. It's, it's more important than this. I love y'all. I ain't nervous. I'm just, woo. You got me going up. Woo. We appreciate Brother Jay, amen. 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 It's awesome to have a good faith testimony, amen. It help us want to keep pushing on, amen. Amen. I recognize a family back here that was here Wednesday. Thank you from Sweden. Is that right, my brother, sister? Amen. What's your names? Carney and Mua. All right. God bless you, amen. And any other guests, amen. I think that's what you were them saying. All right. All right. Hey, let's give our guests a hand, amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's stand. Amen. How many ready to have a good time this morning? Amen. Let's give the Lord another hand. Amen. Amen. Let's sing a little bit. I've got my mind made up. Amen. I've got my mind made. I want to see my Jesus.
Seats. Amen. 
get Sister Sally Duke to give us a song. Amen. Amen. Let's give her a hand. Amen. <clears throat> Sister Emily, I'm going to get you to sing right after her. Amen. We bring in greetings from um, Indiana, Pastor Dewey Moss. Our church is Old Lighthouse Tabernacle there in Indiana. Um, my husband Bobby's here with me. Uh, we were married 22 years, 22 years, no children. And when I was 40, I found out I was pregnant. So this is my 18-year-old son. You can, you can do the math. <laughs> so um, I asked him to come sing with me. So we're just going to sing a worship song. You enter in and worship with us. It's called Sweet Jesus. and just tells all that he is to us. Sorry, I'm not hearing my starting note. Sweet Jesus, my Savior, you are my faithful friend. And you made me, and you know me, and you've seen my every sin. And my soul is amazed by the gift of your grace. And the arms that take me in Sweet Jesus, my Savior You are my faithful friend Sweet Jesus, my Savior You are my faithful friend The refuge that I run to when my world comes closing in Why should I be afraid when I know I am saved By the arms that take me in Sweet Jesus, my shelter You are my faithful friend Sweet Jesus, my shepherd you are my faithful friend And you hold me And you lead me And I'll follow till the end And once more I will say On that beautiful day When your arms take me in Sweet Jesus, my shepherd you are my faithful friend Sweet Jesus, my Savior You are my faithful friend And you made me, and you know me And you've seen my every sin And my soul is amazed by the gift of your grace and the arms that take me in Sweet Jesus, my Savior You are my faith 
faithful friend, sweet Jesus, my Savior, you are my faithful friend, sweet Jesus, my shelter, you are my faithful friend, sweet Jesus, my shepherd, you are my faithful friend. Amen. We just appreciate the Lord, Sister Emily, if you come. Amen. Let's give her a hand. Amen. He leadeth me 
with me his faithful follower i would be for by his hand he leadeth me amen we're gonna have brother joe come come on up here and give us a song this morning Brother Jason, come on out while you're singing, bro. Amen. <clears throat> just mine, just my request. <laughs> Whatever song you want to sing. Well, I did say that. Yes, you did. out of me today. It needs to be a little higher, brother. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's try. Um, the only thing I can think of is what I sung Wednesday night, maybe in D again. I'm so glad that I appreciate that testimony, Brother Jack. That was so good. Oh, my. Power of prayer. Amen. You need to go back and listen to the Sunday School. That's exactly what I titled this morning. Sure did. I'm not on an ego trip. I'm nothing on my own. I make mistakes. Often slip, just common flesh and bone. But he'll prove someday just what I say. I'm of a special kind. When he was on the cross. I was on his mind He knew me Yet he loved me Oh, he whose glory made the heaven shine so unworthy of such mercy when he was on the cross I A look of love was on his face, thorns. 
on his head Oh, the blood ran down that scarlet road And stained it crimson red Though his eyes were on the crowd that day Stand with me, sing that part. Oh, he knew me. Yes, he loved. Make it personal this morning. time. Just sing it to him this morning, oh my. He to have you here in the house of God with us. Amen. You happy to be a Christian? Amen. Amen. I sure uh, have enjoyed all the morning so far. I was able to catch Brother Joe's, uh, we're getting, Brother Joe's getting a workout today. My goodness. <laughs> Teaching the Sunday school class, singing special songs. Amen. I, I, I like a utility man that you can just depend on him for whatever you need. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I agree. I agree, brother. Amen. Praise the Lord, Brother Matthew. I heard you telling that, Brother Matt Smith, because um, Wednesday I was not actually scheduled to, to preach, and so uh, it got switched around. We had to make it, we had a necessary change, and so I, I come to the pulpit, you know, not expecting to preach, and 
So after the sermon, Brother Matt, <laughs> he said, inspiration, you know, just take the word and add the water of the Holy Spirit and got in instant inspiration. <laughs> Amen. So we sure appreciate that. Amen. I want to uh, welcome our visitors today, our friends here with the Curtises. God bless you. Enjoyed that singing. Happy to have you all here today. Amen. Happy to have Sister Amariah. Amen. Now, she's not a visitor, but I never get to see her. So I'm almost... <laughs> Amen. As soon as church is over, I looked for her and I run. I still can't catch her. Amen. So, Rosie, you need to hang around and give Papa a hug after church. Amen. <laughs> Now that I've thoroughly embarrassed her, <laughs> amen. This is Sister Evelyn, praise the Lord, happy to have her. We're happy to have Sister Mom back, amen, praise the Lord. <laughs> amen, happy to have her back. I know we all terribly missed her, amen. Also, um, Brother Connie and Sister Mo is still with us, happy to have them here. They'll be here, and it's Sweden, amen, amen. I said Switzerland last time, and a Swede was quick to correct that. <laughs> Happy to have them here. They'll be here for a month or so. So uh, y'all family, uh, y'all plan to get together and invite them to some fellowship. Amen. Show them some real Southern hospitality. Amen. God bless you. We, um, uh, we're going to, I think Brother Tony just decided to uh, we'll just have the offering basket at the back, Brother Luther. We uh, kind of ran out of time, but it's all good. I'm happy in the Lord today. Uh, you probably, Brother Richard, God bless you. You probably saw in the announcements that um, we're going to have uh, kind of one of our little impromptu sing-alongs in the fellowship hall. Usually that thing just spontaneously starts, but every once in a while we plan it. So we've got plenty of singers here this weekend. So if you want to hang around, here's some good toe-tapping, jubilee singing. Amen. We're going to extend the worship. Brother Jack actually made himself available to continue his testimony after fellowship, after lunch, for anybody who wants to hear the rest of it. And I promise you, there's a lot more to hear. Amen. It's thrilling, amen, to hear Brother Jack. To, that, I said, Brother Jack, your enthusiasm and your faith is contagious. My, I've never been so happy to be infected by something in my life. <laughs> Praise God. So, <clears throat> Uh, we're getting a little bit of a late start, but that's to my advantage, actually. So the Lord knows all things. Uh, the enemy attacked me in body, and all the brothers started praying. I put it out into the minister's chat to uh, offer prayer for me. Don't really know. Just a, kind of a flu bug dropped in on me. Um, then I felt good yesterday, and then last night it started feeling again. So I woke up this morning, and Sister Debbie said, how do you feel? I said, well, not perfect, but I'm perfect in the Lord anyway. So it'll actually uh, work to my advantage. Maybe we'll abbreviate our sermon just a little bit, and that'll help me. Amen. So God bless you as we turn to Revelation chapter 19. Amen. Revelation chapter 19. You say, Brother Jason, you, you know, Revelation, anywhere in the book of Revelation ain't a text for a short sermon. <laughs> I didn't say I was going to preach a short sermon. I just said we'll... Take it easy a little bit, but amen. Probably will end up a little bit, but um, you know, that's the thing. Once the anointing comes on me, and that's a real thing. Don't think that's a cliche. A preacher, every preacher in here will tell you that is a actual thing that you can come into this pulpit, feel sick, be in pain, have an injury, something, and anointing hits you and you feel like you're 18 again and you ain't got a pain or a problem. 
But then as soon as you leave the pulpit <laughs> and you sit down, you what have I done? <laughs> Amen. Amen. These preachers shaking, laughing, they're uh, shaking their head, laughing. They, they know what that's about. <clears throat> that's a very real thing. Revelation chapter 19. We'll just let, we'll read this uh, 10 verses and we'll let you be seated. Uh, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to continue reading, but we'll, we'll let you be seated after verse 10. <clears throat> and after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. <clears throat> for true and righteous are his judgments, for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. Um, Dr. Schofield makes a mention that this word hallelujah, which is different than hallelujah, is found only here in the Bible because that it is a direct reference through the Greek language. It's significant that it's hallelujah because, uh, because of the verse that we just read. He hath judged the great whore. This is something that nature has groaned and waited for the adoption of sons and waited for the Antichrist system to be put down once and for all. <clears throat> I'm looking for the day when it's put down once and for all, amen. We want to we talk about our part in that today. Are you aware you have a part to play in that? Amen. So he says, <clears throat> verse 2, For true and righteous are the judgments, for hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and how, my, and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, Alleluia. They are thrilled about the destruction of this system. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I, and I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude. And as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, here it is again, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See thou do it not. I am thy <clears throat> fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now you just keep your Bibles open, but let us pray. <clears throat> Father, I commit myself into your hands just now 
And I ask for you to be with me in body, Lord, and spirit. Help my mind and, Lord, just be in on my lips that I speak exactly what it, what it is that you have for us today. I commit myself into your hands now. In this audience, may you bless both speaker and hearer. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friends. You can be seated. Now, I wish to continue reading uh, 11 through 15, but let me just, uh, you know, perhaps make uh, an opening statement or two. One of the things that you're, you're, you're going to want to realize, you're about to read about, thank you, Brother Tony, you're about to read how in the very next verse, he says, and I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he that sat on him was called faithful and true and in righteousness doth he judge and make war. It goes on to describe this one coming and we're going to find when we get down to verse 13 and verse 14 especially that the armies of heaven follow with him. Now, the armies of heaven, I'll just tip you off, the armies of heaven are the bride because that's who he's talking about. The, the bride hath made herself ready, see? And so now she's coming and she's clothed in fine linen and the, the, literally uh, you're finding Christ and his triumphant church coming back at the end of the tribulation to finish up and wrap up and to, um, to commence, if I could say it this way, to commence the transition, the final transition of the earth from a fallen state into a millennial state. And there he's going to lift the curse off the earth that came on the earth when Adam fell in the Garden of Eden. When Adam fell, being the son of God, and the Bible doesn't call him merely a son of God. It calls him the son of God. And so we find that this is why Jesus would be called the second Adam. See, because he's now the son of God. He's, he's everything that, that God envisioned uh, when he thought of Adam and Eve, that Christ and his bride are going to accomplish what Adam and Eve in the original failed to do. And so we realize that this is exactly why that that, that in Adam, the Bible says, not in Eve. In Adam, we all die, see? Because what Eve did, Eve was deceived. It wasn't Eve. It was Adam who knowingly transgressed the word that plunged all of humanity into sin. When Eve did what she did, the earth didn't yet have a curse upon it, see? And so uh, their bodies weren't even cursed yet. And so we realize that, that it's when Adam knowingly with his eyes open transgressed the word of God, then when Adam fell, as the prophet would say, then all nature under him. And since Adam was the son of God in the earth, an amateur God to rule the earth, then all nature under him fell. So the second Adam, which is now Christ, begotten of a woman, right, to, to virgin born, right, to reverse the sin in the garden, 
and a blood sacrifice because that was the kind of sin it was and because life is in the blood and life was transmitted. And so we find that there had to be a blood sacrifice. This is the revelation Abel caught. This is what Cain missed and wasn't able to get a hold of. Uh, Abel caught it right away that it had to be a blood offering. Without the shedding of blood, there could be no remission of sin. And so we find then that Christ as the second Adam, uh, then he you know, uh, conquers death by his own death and uh, his burial and his resurrection. He receives the keys of death and hell in the grave. He, com- he ascends on high and says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And so we realize now that in the, in the first Adam, we all die. In the second Adam, we all live. Now in the first Adam, he had a bride and that bride existed first in him and you couldn't see her. But finally, there was an expression of her that you could see. And now at the end time, God, bring, what does he do on the other side of Calvary? He brings a bride into being that the world can see. But, but now what they can't see is she's actually a part of him. She's actually an expression of God. And the same way they couldn't see, there was a time when Eve couldn't be seen in Adam. Then, then we find that, that in the eyes of God, you are seen as the same person. As Christ, she is him, see? And the spirit and the bride say, come, this is the great mystery released under the seventh seal. This is what the Trinitarians miss. This is what the oneness miss. He's not three persons, but neither is he Jesus only. That all of those formulas have it wrong, that the, that the correct formula has Christ and his bride, Mr. and Mrs. Jesus Christ. You say, well, if I'm Christ and he's Christ, then what's the difference between him and me? He's both Lord and Christ. That's not you. I don't pray to you. You didn't baptize in my name. I didn't save you. He saved us all. Amen. So this is why when when John bows to worship this angel, that he says, don't do that. We only worship God. I'm just a man. I'm saved by grace. I was born in sin like you, but God rich in mercy loved me too. So we realize then that that the bride uh, operates and the principle of this oneness, this unity, is found in Hebrews 13. It's exactly why, Brother Branham, that was the very commission of his ministry. Jesus Christ, you see, the same yesterday and forever. So the bride, it, she is him, doesn't mean the bride is literally him. It means the bride is the same as him. It's Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we're always watching for the I am. Where is the I am? And that's what, uh, and that's what the world is missing today. Now, so when we come down to this point, you find that a bride, an armies of heaven are following him out. And you'll notice that, that when we read verse 14, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. All right, so now, we realize that the same attributes of him are attributed to her because his name is called the word of God. Amen. That's not his name. That's what he's called. See, so, and the armies of heaven, which followed him. So this clothed in fine linen, clean and white and the purity of the word and out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword that with it, he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Now that is a millennium verse 
and we know that we are to rule and reign with him. Amen? Amen? So now I want to point you very clearly, look at, look at verse 15 very closely. Out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. That, of course, is the word, all right? It's symbolic. Just like when Moses and Elijah, the Bible talks about when they come against Moses and Elijah, that anyone who comes against them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth. Now, it, it doesn't mean Moses and Elijah are fire-breathing dragons. It's not it. Fire represents judgment. Their word controls nature, and it's a judgment word. So it's not, it's not a flamethrower type of, that's not the imagery. This is all symbolism. And so, in fact, is we wouldn't even know that the horses are literal because you would only think of them as symbolic because everything here is symbolic. And you wouldn't know that they were literal horses except that a prophet in this day when he's challenged on horses being on the other side and the man says, Brother Branham, I loved your testimony of beyond the curtain of time and I loved it until you said you saw your horse and, and, and there are no heavens for humans. Not horses. And Brother Branham said, well, he wrote him back a very courteous letter. And he said, well, first of all, brother, I never said I was in heaven. I said I was in some place, beautiful in paradise, and saw the family of God there. And, and he said, I asked to see Jesus. And they said, he's on up a little higher. You remember Paul was called up there to the third heaven. He said, I never said I was there. He said, but that it might help you. And he went to Revelation 19 when Christ comes out riding a white horse and the armies of heaven come following him on white horses. So, so, so this is why I'm so glad for a vindicated prophet to sort all of this out for us. We would never have a way to know it. So now watch, look at verse 15 because I'm really trying to, I'm trying to get a certain angle to you before I go forward. So out of his mouth goeth the sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Now, when you read verse 15 of Revelation 19, you don't, you don't think of any, you think of only one person ruling in the millennium with a rod of iron. Because right here, that's all it says. He shall. Has nothing about they shall. But we also know that in, a, and they say, well, that's what the Bible says. And like Brother Branham, like that Baptist preacher said, Brother Branham, but the Bible says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. And Brother Branham says, that's true. The Bible does say that. But the Bible also says that he was given a seal, a sign of circumcision as part of a covenant that God recognized his faith. So we realize that verse 15 doesn't include you, but the Bible also tells us that we shall rule and reign with him. See? All right, now that's an important point. Just because you don't see it here, we find the truth of it. You find that, so I could say to you that Revelation 19, 15 contains a hidden mystery that's not viewable except by another scripture. Amen? All right. Now, I just want that in your mind real strong. All right. So we find here that this, this principle of Christ uh, operating with his bride. Now, I've got, <laughs> I've got an unusual 
title for you today. And so and I apologize for my quirkiness, but if the Lord wanted me to be somebody else, he'd have made me somebody else, right? <laughs> I want to speak to you today on the dance begins. <laughs> Amen. The dance begins. So we find in this, in this analogy in, that I'm breaking into right from the beginning, I'm trying to get you to understand this great mystery of Christ and his bride, that it's a king and a queen. We find, as we have found many times, that at, in Revelation chapter 22, it's the spirit and the bride saying, come. Amen. See? And so, so strong is this principle that... Jesus would actually talk about that whosoever sends his church would remit in the earth, they would be remitted in heaven. And whosoever sends his church, his body retained, they would be retained. So now you can see it's God working through his family. Now, it's, it's, we don't follow the Catholic misunderstanding of that scripture. That it's not a priest in garments sitting in a confessional. See, that you're going to go and, 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 and confess your sins to him. And so it's not that. That's a, mis that's a misrepresentation. That's mixed and misinterpreted theology. But what it is, a prophet explained, that when you, because you have Christ in you, and Christ is his word, and when you, and Brother Brown talks about when the believer puts the word of God on his lips, that's the same as deity speaking. See, that's why Jesus said, not, not that I'm going to do it. He said, you go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. See, Jesus would say, whatsoever you say, if you say to this mountain, see. And so they're, they're, the whole purpose of the Holy Ghost was to continue the work of the Lord Jesus in a many-membered form. God was never intending to stay bottled up in one body walking the shores of Galilee. The whole mystery of the Godhead is understood in expression. See, and so it's a God continuing to unfold himself. As we've said to you many times, it's, it's where the I am is. And so we find it in various forms. And Moses saw him, he was a burning, a fire in a burning bush. When Joshua met him later, he was a soldier. When Gideon met him at a later time, all down through the Bible, when Ezekiel found him, he's a wheel in the middle of the wheel. When John saw him, he was a human. Amen? 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 And so, so we find out that, that, that the book of Revelation goes on to declare how that he's going to incarnate. We've been using this word a lot. How that he's going to incarnate his church. And we read for you last time, Brother Branham talking about incarnation. Might, might refer to it again today, perhaps if I get to it. But it's when a deity uh, moves into the form of flesh moves into a human form. Or it can be an animal because when Satan does it, it's a beast. All right? And so, because Satan can't reproduce a human family, he doesn't have the power of creation. All right? So he, 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 he perverts God's word. Now, so we find it when Jesus, you know, talks about whoso, who, uh, whosoever sins you remit or retain. And Brother Branham said, it's you taking the gospel to them. Because when a Christian puts it on his lips, it's like God speaking. So when you take the gospel to them and they receive it, then you have been the vessel by which their sins were forgiven. 
And if you take the gospel to them, you've done your part. If they reject the gospel, they haven't rejected you. They've rejected the God in you coming through the word. See? And so your hands are clean. And that's why Paul says, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. On the day of judgment, nobody is going to be able to wag a finger at Paul and say, you never told me. They're not going to be able to say a prophet in this day. You didn't tell me. He told you on 1,200 plus tapes. We've got a Bible with thousands of pages and thousands, thousands of words and hundreds and hundreds of pages. And, and God, and then not only that, but even the, the sun rises every day and declares his glory. All nature declares him, even though it's under a curse and even though it's in a fallen state, it struggles to bring glory to God. Yes, I'm in a fallen state. Yes, I make mistakes, but I rise up every day. I'm not the S-U-N, I'm an S-O-N and I try to bring glory to the world. See, so sometimes, you know, you never rise. The sun is to rise. The sun is to bring light to the earth. And sometimes, sadly, God's very own family members never shine. See, say, are they not God's children? Oh, they're God's children, but they're living far below their privileges. They're not, as Brother Jack was talking about today, they're not surrendering their lives to the level. I'm here to tell you something, friends. The world is so dark and so toxic that you've got to press daily to shine. You've got to press constantly to shine. You can't leave it on autopilot. You've got to be proactive. You've got to make a determination. I'm going to wake up today and get close to God. I'm going to move out through the day and I'm going to let God speak to me. Sometimes we, we go a whole day and say, how many times have I even thought about God? Amen. <clears throat> More to say on that shortly. <clears throat> It's really, that's the, really the, the, the catalyst of my title, actually. You'll find out. So this whole principle of Christ and his bride, Christ and his armies, and all with similar descriptions. And so you find that, that Jesus, you know, when he's looking out, I'm just giving you these examples because you're familiar with them. He looks out across a, a vineyard. And he says, truly, looks, I don't remember if it was a vineyard, it might have been a field of wheat, I can't remember, but he says, truly, the, the, it's, it's white unto harvest. And, but the, the problem is, the laborers are few. Pray ye to the Lord of the harvest that he send forth laborers. And Brother Branham picks that up and says, isn't it amazing that Jesus himself saying to these people, Pray ye the Lord of the harvest. And he said, Harry stood, he was the Lord of the harvest. So what he's saying to me, he said, then what Jesus is really trying to say is, uh, you know, I, I want to do this. I'm, dis- I'm declaring to you my intent, my desire. There's a ripened field and it needs harvesting and I want to harvest it. But I, I want you to ask me, pray to me to do it. Say, why in the world is that? Because I want your involvement. 
I want your words to be my words and my words to be your words. And when I say, go forth and labor, you'll rise up and say, go forth and labor. And whatever the voice speaks in heaven, we find ourselves in the earth moving. This is what dance is. Dance is expression. That's why it's called an art. It's, a, it's an art form. It's an, it's, an, it's an expression. And there's a holy dance and there's an unholy dance perverted by Satan. Amen. See? All right. Now, so we find then that he's wanting interaction with his family. That's always been his goal, to have fellowship with his family, to be in harmony with that family concerning his will, which, which is all good and all pure all the time. So let me just tell you today, you just do what he wants you to do. It'll turn out great. You don't have to understand it. If your faith is limited to your understanding, you're in a sad state of affairs. My faith goes way beyond my understanding. Oh my, you know, so it's as if he has this conversation with himself to demonstrate this principle. And you know, what could that mean for us, friends, as the final voice to the final age? I mean, the Bible talks about in the last days that, that God is calling for saviors. In the Hebrew, it means intercessors. He's calling for saviors. He's call, say, but only Jesus is the savior, but he's calling for intercessors, people who will pray and dedicate their life and go forth in the name of the Lord. This is the great mystery that has been revealed that Paul says was hidden from the ages. That is this, Christ in you. And the hope of glory. So in you doesn't, doesn't just in you stop, doesn't make glory. Because glory is an expression. Amen? Amen? So the sun is in existence. But you don't see its glory until it's in the sky. So glory means an expression. So it's Christ in you, the hope of. In other words, in the hope that you will let this mind, which was in Christ, be in you. And that it will be Christ in you, the hope of glory, that my life will bring him glory. And God will have his life that he lived in Jesus and, and, and misses Jesus all around the world. This is exactly the plan of redemption. This is how it's supposed to work. See? So you can imagine then how tragic it is. How tragic it is when... And, and this is probably a statement that everybody who's not here needs to be here to hear. But let, let me just say, let me say it to you who are here. Peradventure, Satan tries to get you in, in days down the road to not be here. Right. You know, th- this, is why it's, this is why it's so tragic when God has family who are his actual seated family but they have let the cares and affairs of this life choke out the love and life of God. And, they're, and they're, they put every other thing ahead of church and schedule and in their schedule. Everything else ahead of being the glory of God. And all they are is the glory of some business. Or they're the, they're the glory of some sport. Or they're the glory of some entertainment. I'm not here to be glory for any of that stuff. Not here to be the glory of Laodicea. I'm here to be the living glory of Almighty God. And that's why you see them of God's family making decisions so effortlessly to not be, 
to not give themselves over so fully and freely to the presence of God. Amen. Amen. So, so he calls for saviors today. He calls for intercessors. It, the Bible prophesied that in the last days that those who know their God will do great exploits. Say, so what are we going to do? Whatever it is, it'll be great. Amen. Might not be what the world calls great. Are you okay with that? Are you okay to be a weirdo and an oddball and a nut? Because what the Lord might call great for you to do, you might not think is great. And your neighbors and your, ma- and your associates and your business partners and, 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 and your customers, brothers, all you have to, most of the men in here are, are self-employed. Your customers might not think it's great. But does God think it's great? So now... With this principle in mind, you can see how very tragic Revelation 3 finds the church. 3.17, Brother Brad. Revelation 3.17. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not, now here's, the first line was what they think they are. But here's what they really are. But knowest not that thou art actually wretched. And you're actually miserable. And you're quite poor. And the reason you don't know it is because you're blind. And you're naked. See? Now he, he doesn't just, I love the fact that God doesn't just bring the problem. He brings a problem and a remedy. And he goes on to say, which we're not going to venture into, but he goes on to say, I counsel thee, buy of me gold. Take Isaac, I'm going to provide you with everything you need to escape this horrible condition. This is a horrible condition. Brother Bram said the most pitiful part is they're blind. You can't tell them. See, they think that they are rich. They think that they're increased with goods. They, 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 this is their self-assessment. I don't need anything. And so, of course, if they don't need anything, then they don't need God. They sure don't need his word. They sure don't need a preacher yelling at them, telling them how to live. See, you say, well, but that's the world. No, that's the spirit on the world. And you're not immune from that spirit trying to talk to you. Don't lose that. Don't read that and go, that's not me. It It is you if you let it. It's up to you to either be it or not be it. You see? And so this is the spirit that's trying to anoint the world. And your seed gene isn't going to protect you from that. Because, and neither will the baptism of the Holy Ghost keep the devil from whispering it to you and trying to influence you. Because right. Brother Branham said that's the greatest battle ever fought. And that in the beginning, that God and Satan decided on a battlefield and it would be the mind of man. So Satan has a, a, a legal right to try to influence your mind so that you look like this. But I'm here to tell you, if you're a believer of the word, you're not supposed to look like this. This isn't my heritage. I'm not here to think I'm rich when I'm poor. I'm not here to think I'm clothed when I'm naked. I'm not here for those things. I'm here to, to fulfill the righteousness. I'm going to be clothed in pure linen, clean and white. Sometimes you just have to shake yourself 
like Samson and shake off the devil and shake off the chains. Say, I'm a son of God. What am I doing here? I'm marching to Zion. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm marching to Zion. Sometimes we need to have that happen in our lives, friends. Brother Branham talks about this lukewarm church and the Laodicean church agent, the CAB says, you can express it any way you want. It all adds up. It all adds up. Sugar-coat it how you want. Okay? So, well, you know, I got to have a career. Sure. Got to have an education. Sure. You know, I got to have the functions of living. Absolutely. Paul, you know, they asked Paul that. They said, you know, Paul said, you don't have anything to do with the world. He writes in his first letter. And they write him back. And then Paul writes his second letter. And they said, you know, Paul, you... You said we shouldn't have anything to do with the world, but I mean, we go to school, we go to the market, we have jobs, you know, we work in people's homes. And Paul writes them back to say, listen, concerning what I said to you in the first letter, I didn't mean you can go out of the world. You can't leave the world. But what I mean is don't live like you're attached to it. Remember, you're not of the world. Yeah, you're in it. Yeah, sure, you got a career and you got an education and those are all fine things. And sure, all, all work and no play makes Johnny a dull boy. I'm not saying, I'm not saying we got to live in a convent. Amen? I, I'm not saying that, friends. There's liberty in Christ. Only don't use your liberty as a, as a way to offend God. See? There's no sin that can attach itself to me. I'm unindictable. I'm the unindictable, undefeatable child of God. But I'm not going to turn grace into disgrace. The more he gives me, the more I want to serve him. I'll tell you something, friends. I am proving more and more every day of my life. The more you can dedicate yourself to God, the more power with God you'll have. Hallelujah. And you're going to need it because this world is burning down. And Brother Branham says, you can, you know, talking about Revelation 3, the sad state of Laodicea, you can express it in any way you want. And it all adds up to the fact that the church is complacent. She is, here's a couple of either or, or both. She is satisfied with what she has. She either figures she has it all or has enough. And that's spiritual amnesia. If you ever reach a time in your Christian walk, if you're sitting here today and you know in your heart, I don't need you to confess to me. This ain't a Catholic church. Uh, you just talk to the Lord. Uh, I'm telling you something. If you're sitting right there and you are now comfortable in your spiritual level, you are, you're in trouble. You got a problem. You need to open up your heart and say, Lord God, I need to come here today to rise higher. And I'll come back next time and go higher. And tomorrow morning, I'll be in my recliner going higher. Amen. Brother Jack and I have that in common. I didn't know that till he told me. We both got a 5 a.m. chair. We talked to the Lord. And I'm here to tell you, the Lord talks back. I want you to know that the Lord talks back. You don't just sit in a dark room. You start talking. I promise you, he starts talking back. Hallelujah. I know it by experience. He's met me there time after time after time. I said to a young man here, I was counseling a young teenage man. 
here just the other day and I said, listen, you take Brother Jason's word for it. I preached this gospel on six of seven continents and I have never seen God fail to keep his word. And if I told you anything else, I'd be fibbing, but he always keeps his word if you'll just believe it and act upon it. She's either satisfied with what she has, she either figures she has it all or has enough. So when Christ descends in Revelation 10 to, to be united with his church, when he descends in Revelation 10 to transition, to, to begin the, the, final, the final phase the final process to kick off the the last portion to complete a full restoration, which then takes the Omega church back to the apex of where Alpha began to decline and backslide. And it takes her back to that point and takes her on. And we're going to what the Alpha church never made it to, a body change, the resurrection of the sleeping, the transition of the world into a millennium. That's where we're at. That's what's happening in nature. They can call it global warming. They can call it whatever they want. I don't admit or deny any of it. I just know this. Say, oh man, this man, that. I know it's sin, but I know God's going to lift the sin. And when he lifts the sin, it doesn't matter what they've done for 6,000 years. This millennial world is going to be perfect. Just like me. It didn't matter what kind of background I had. It didn't matter how I was born. It didn't matter how I got cultured or socialized or raised or lived under misinterpreted theology or lived under abuse or had this heartbreak or that heartbreak. Life's about that. Life's not fair. I just can tell you this, that once he found me, he made me perfect. He took away all my past sins and set me on high. And now I have full authority of heaven behind me in a moment I didn't have to grow into it it came in a moment not discounting spiritual growth of course but I didn't have to wait when I was born again of the spirit I didn't have to grow to cast out a devil my word was as good on the check as his word right then and there Amen. See, Brother Jackie, it didn't matter that you were only 19. You come out of that fasting, you had power with God. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter, you young men, you young sisters. You can have power with God right now. Right now in this service. You don't even have to wait till it's over. You can have it right now. Why don't you raise up hands and say, I'll, I'll take it. I'll receive it right now. Hallelujah. When Christ descended in Revelation 10 to transition all creation to begin the final phase of his redemptive plan, transition the earth back to a millennium, when he descended to kick that off, he finds the last day earth in a catastrophe. In a catastrophe. Lukewarmness and coldness and forms of godliness are everywhere. Oh, Christianity, the, 
He goes to their tables to have communion. But the Bible says their tables are full of vomit. And like a, a, a hog to its wallow, like a dog to its vomit. That's the way the churches all become man-made creed and formal uh, religion. And there's, there's no purity anywhere. There's no clean place anywhere. And, and a church, not only could she not go in a rapture, she couldn't get any better. She couldn't improve. As I've said to you so many times, that's about as bad as you can possibly get. When you already don't qualify and you can't improve. I mean, you're, you're talking about a Gordian knot, a hopeless conundrum. You're, you're, there's no chance. You don't even have a chance. Because you, you can't go like you are and you can't get any better. I'm here to tell you, he wasn't going to come down and try to renovate an old fallen Horace church. He was going to, he saw inside of there that there were still gene seed of God and he would call them out of there like he called Israel out of a nation. He would call a bride out by his word and she would become the spotless bride of the lamb. She would be him in the earth. You know, I started making this point Wednesday and I, I think I didn't finish it and I want to finish it today. It's not a, a great long point, but Chris and I in our, Chris and I go to church in the mornings and exercise breaks out. <laughs> Amen, Gib. We go, to, we go to church. I say, Chris, you're going to meet me at church? You're going to meet me at the bridge? Yeah, Dad, nine bells, let's go. So we go to church and exercise breaks out while we're there. And we were talking about this the other day, several days ago. And we just started talking about life. And we both agreed. We both agreed wholeheartedly. What is the point of life if you don't secure eternal life? What's the point? Then, then just eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we all die. I mean, this is what Paul said. If there's no hope in the resurrection, I'm above all men most miserable. I mean, goodness, if, if I, don't invite me over to eat and spread a seven-course wonderful gourmet meal in front of me and say, you can look at it, but you can't eat it. I'd rather not come over. I'd rather not smell the aroma. See? And so Paul is now carried to the third heaven and sees all these things, and now Paul is saying, wow, now that I've seen what I've seen, if there's no resurrection, I above all men say, you're going to be miserable. You have no idea. I went to the third heaven. Trust me, you have no idea what God has in store for those that love him. Oh my, if, I, if all he come to tell me was this wonderful word and, and I could eat upon it, but if it can't give me eternal life, because I'd rather not know it because it's gonna make me crave eternal life. Once I read about God and his heaven and his plan, I wanna be there. I wanna be a part of it. Hallelujah. And that's why people, people commit suicide. We were talking about that Wednesday night. Is I almost become socially cool among teenagers to take your own life, in which I said, you actually can't take your life because your life don't end. And that's what no one's telling them. Those Hollywood producers aren't telling them, oh, actually, you don't die. Because no one's ever yet died. No, people's bodies have stopped functioning. But the person that was them is, is bound over for trial. 
in a place called hell where you're bound over for trial and or you're in the land of the redeemed. Say, what about purgatory? I said, I'm in it. I'm between heaven and hell right now. And since the lid has torn, torn from hell and demon powers are streaming into the earth, I just say hell has come to the surface. I'm in purgatory right now. Hallelujah, friends. And I'm not looking to stay here. I'm looking to go there. Hallelujah. So, you know, because people get so decided, dissatisfied, dissatisfied with life. Then what's the point? And I mean millionaires. Multiple millionaires. Even billionaires, they hang themselves in closets. Oh, what? Man, if I had your money, I'd live it up. Don't be so sure. Don't be so sure. Bible talks about it being rich as being a torment. Because then you worry about how to keep it and you worry about somebody stealing it. And you worry, I mean, you know, and, and then it sets up this, this lust that you can't suppress and they asked Rockefeller, goodness, you got so much, how much is enough? And he said, a little more than I got. Well, how much do you want more than I have? But you already got so much. Yeah, but I need more. You already got more than you can spend in a hundred lifetimes. But you don't realize that's, that's the Pied Piper. That's, that's Satan, Zedan. It's, it's drawing you to a destruction. And people realize that wealth doesn't give it to them. Fortune and glory, in fact, is the ones who get the most famous and get the richest when they're suddenly not famous anymore. That's when they take their own life or attempt to. See, so because they can't answer the question, what's the point of life? And, And that's the question that you, I mean, it's almost a cliche. What's the meaning of life? I'm so glad I have the devil's answer before he ever thought of the question. What is the point of life if you don't obtain eternal life? Say, well, to to get riches, it's all going to ash and cinder. Well, to be famous, it's all going to ash and cinder. Well, I want to have things. I I want to have freedom. There is no freedom outside of Christ. The the the, The freedom you're believing in is a taskmaster that hates you and wants to kill you. See? The evolving purpose of the dance, and I'm not speaking of any dance in particular, just dance as a general category. They have evidence of dance records dated all the way back to the ancient Egyptians. Mankind has been using dance in an expression, and it has come forward, and I'm not going to take the time for a history lesson today. It was fascinating to me, but I'm not going to bore you with it. But, but, you know, it came all the way from centuries BCE all the way up to the time of Christ and, and, and all the way into, into after Christ. And, and we find that, you know, it comes up, they find uh, during the Renaissance, now I'm jumping, now I'm jumping centuries and centuries, even millennium, millenniums. And so during the Renaissance, um, dances were recorded through a simple form of verbal abbreviation. And so in other words, um, they, they tried to improve with, with progress because it's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Amen. So they're always trying to improve it, improve it, improve it. How can we make the connection of expression and dance easier, better, slicker, more powerful, more expressive, 
to give a message because that's what dance is. It's a message, Amen. right? So that, that's why that Satan takes young people out and puts them in a club and plays wild music which is going to make your body move because your body responds to those rhythms and percussions. That's music. Remember, friends, that music was not in the original creation. Music pre predates the creation. See, music was already in heaven. Worship was already in heaven when God created the heavens and the earth. So, so we find that it predates, let me say, it predates the creation of the earth, to be more clear. So it already existed in heaven. So, so music is, has a supernatural quality to it. That's, that's why when you hear certain music, it'll put you in a certain mood. You hear, they call it toe tapping. There's a reason. You'll snap your fingers. You'll drive down the road and tap on the steering wheel. You'll bob your head and hope nobody saw you do that. <laughs> What's wrong with this crazy guy? That's the power of music. It, it actually, you feel it. Brother Branham describes that, you know, and when he's talking about, you know, I'm not going into it today, we've preached on it before, but Brother Branham talks about it in, in Masterpiece and, and, and Shalom and different places, <clears throat> some of my favorite sermons about how that these wonderful pieces of music, you know, here that, you know, here, here, here is, here is uh, you know, uh, these great, and, this, and, and for many of those composers, this was their church music, this was their gospel music. It was worship, Handel's Messiah, it's, he's worshiping his God. See, and so, so we find that Brother Branham said that it has such a power, and this is how a prophet describes it. He said to you, you can just close your eyes and live in it, and you just you're gone somewhere, and you're just with your eyes closed, and you're swaying, and imagery is coming before your mind, and and if it's a particularly worshipful song, tears will start to roll down your face. You know, somebody didn't tell you a sad story. The music is doing it to you. You know, and, and sometimes it, we, we, you know, we get in here, you know, on a Wednesday night. You people come in, you're tired, you're, you're, you're beat down from the day. And Anthony understands that this is the time to come out and sing something snappy. Get your blood moving. Get your hands clapping. Get your toes tapping. He'll come out with some big jubilee. And next thing you know, you're not tired anymore. See? And, and so it, it's, just, it's just all about understanding the science of rhythm and music. And so they, by the time you get to the 17th century now, they've come through the Renaissance. They're, they've made it a form of verbal abbreviation with one letter standing uh, for each individual step in the dance. By the time they get to the 17th century, uh, they're increasing, you know, they're increasingly trying to make these complex floor patterns and, and have certain types of dances, you know, particularly those of the court ballets, which, which led to the emergence of actually what they call track drawing systems. So you understand the tree of knowledge is just adding. It's growing. The understanding of it is growing. By the time you get to the 19th century, subsequent ballet masters turned to a form of what they called notation using stick figures. So that sounds pretty simple. Actually, they're making it more brilliant. By the time you come into the 20th century, uh, you know, choreology and, had developed. And, and here's a man, uh, or here's two people, a, a lady and a man, Joan and Rudolph uh, Banesh. And in the 20th century, you know, now dance is based on a more clearly visual rather than symbolic form of notation. Now catch that. Dance was always symbolism. They had certain movements. That, that's why I said they get these young people in these clubs. 
dancing to this wild boogie-woogie music. It's not worship. It's not expression. It's just vulgarity. It has no original purpose in dance. Dance, dance was a language. Dance, David danced before the Lord with all his might. See, now his wife, McCall, didn't like that dance because it was a godly dance. She probably wouldn't have minded had he danced some worldly jig, but he's dancing to bring forth Jehovah, which to the world probably looked pretty crazy. It probably didn't look like, man, that's not a cool dance at all, but to God, to God, it was David was worshiping. It was a language God was speaking, that David was speaking to God. He was inspired. But by the time you get to the 20th century, does that surprise you? Right as Laodicea comes on the scene, by the time you get midway through the 20th century, dance is now more, more visual rather than symbolic form of notation. It's all about, you know, vulgarity and vulgar moves and who can do the most vulgar moves until it becomes so vulgar. It, it's, it's, it's even embarrassing to a man and a woman in the privacy of their home, even married. Some of those dance moves that they've created today should not even be done among married couples. It's filth. It's a spirit of perversion. It was never what dance was supposed to be. Dance is supposed to, let me say this, friends. Your lifestyle to God is a dance. Your church attendance is a dance. You don't got to be jumping, running, or swaying, or jigging. It's about the voice of your lived life. It's a harmony. Brother Branham talks about the harmony of the composer. And now the orchestra, we're in harmony with him. And when he, he has a certain idea and we absorb that. And when the heaven plays it, we play it. When heaven sounds it, we sound it in the earth. In fact is, this is why, remember, in Brother Branham's vision of the church, part of the catastrophe, he found the church of every, of every culture dancing, following a witch who was full herself of whoredoms because she was nude from the waist up. And she was, she, you know, which is such a, a slap in the face to El Shaddai, who is the breasted God, who provided that to give Abraham sustenance to change his life. Oh, and here's a church feeding their children poison and expecting a body change. You're never going to get a body change feeding off the poisons of the world. And we find that she's dancing, and Brother Ram says, dancing to the beat of rock and roll. Would to God it had only stayed rock and roll. Now it's so many different genres and varieties and every kind of social media contact. I'll tell you something, parents, you should be careful what you allow your children to participate in. Say, well, I got to let them be them. You got to raise them in the ways of the Lord. You got to train them up. It's amazing to me. People can train animals. And your child is the most intelligent animal ever, ever created. And no one trains a child. They'll train dogs. They'll train horses and dolphins and monkeys. Nobody will train a child. And a child has a free moral agent, has a mind and can reason. It's the easiest to train. And nobody will train their, child, their children. 
They think their duty is just to house them, shelter them, feed them, clothe them, protect them. Your duty is to train them up in the ways of the Lord. Your duty is to be, say, well, they're just going to have to have the Holy Ghost. Right, that's you until they get him. Oh, that might have hit a brick wall, but I'm going to say it again, parents. That's you until they get him. See, oh, I got to hurry. You still good? Thank you, Brother Rich. So, in fact, is that many of the terms used in reference to dance rhythms, such as tempo and dynamics and beat, are, are derived from music. See, and, 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 and at most, and this is, this, is, this is a reading from a learned scholar, and at most, dance is either set to music or accompanied by it. In fact, is this expert calls it, He's an he's a instructor and a, and a professor of it. It's, he calls music the most important element of dance is music. Amen. See? And he talks about it's rare for dance of any kind, social, theatrical, religious, to develop without musical accompaniment. So there's this close relation between dance and music, and it's based on the fact that both are organized around rhythmic patterns. So now, this is nature. Say, oh, you're giving us a science lesson. I'm not. I'm giving you a lesson on nature. This is how God built you. This is why rhythm and beat and music move your body. See? And so so we find out then that it's all organized around rhythmic pattern. Thus, the rhythm of the accompanying music may be used to determine the rhythm of the dance, to give it emphasis, or to help the dancers maintain the same beat, and that's important. In fact, it's nearly... Now, think about this. I'm I'm going to go to another gear. Nearly all physical activity is done rhythmically. Beating of your heart, the flow of your breath, walking and running, work activities such as digging, sawing, scrubbing. You all know they work on the railroad singing. Men saw big trees singing. Sometimes people are chopping wood singing. What, 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 are, they, what are they doing? Sometimes people exercise to music. Because it's a rhythm, it, and it keeps them going. In fact, as they talk about, and I don't, I don't want to labor, labor you with all this reading, but they talk about it actually can improve your endurance because it makes you even. So you don't just jump in and wear yourself out. You've got a, you've got a rhythm and a sync to your workout, and you, you can go a long time. People on the, on the dance floor, people in discos uh, or, or clubs, nightclubs, they can dance a lot longer because they're moving to the rhythm of the music, and they're not just blowing it all out the stack. Amen. See what I'm saying? So now, friends, I I just want you to put on your spiritual thinking caps for a minute. What does this mean to us when Brother Branham talks about the spirit of the composer and the music that is to be the word of God and you supposed to have a life that's a heavenly dance to him not only in celebration of him but in, in awe and worship and you're declaring to the world who you really love and who you really believe. I'll skip over the rest of it. They, they go on to all kinds of more complex scales and, 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 how, that, and how that even they even write dancers are assigned sometimes to, to specific instruments and they're choreographed in such a manner. And this is beautiful that oftentimes the dancer and the music are choreographed in such a manner that they duplicate on stage the relationship among the instruments and the orchestra. So in other words, the dancer 
becomes an extended expression of the orchestra. Now, now you're talking about Christ and his bride. Christ is playing a melody of his word and we become the dance. We become the expression. The, 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 the orchestra's not even, sometimes they're out of sight. It's the, it's the dancer on the stage that everybody's throwing the roses at. I'm here to tell you something, friends. There might be people who'll never hear the trumpet sound of this, but they might hear it through you. They might never pick up this book. They might never turn on a tape, but they can see the harmonic rhythm. They can see the melody of heaven lived out in mine and your lives. Oh, it goes on and on and on. I could just carry on. They talk about social dance almost always accompanied by music. And, and here's, what it, here's, what, here's what the modern, listen now. Here's what modern music and dance is set to accomplish. Here's its 21st century goal. All right, you ready? Amen. And there's a great spiritual type on the other side. The whole thing of this day is to encourage the dancers to abandon themselves to their movements. To abandon themselves. That's what worldly music, friends, you young people, that's all TikTok is about. That's all social media is about is to get you to abandon your movements, to abandon yourselves to your movements and march and dance and swing and bop and sing and live and act a way that doesn't come from here. But there is one that comes from here. Hallelujah. That's the one I'm dancing to today. That's the one I want in my life. That's the one I want to give myself over to. I want, to, I want my life to be the rhythm of the word. As Brother Branham saw her, said she was marching to the step of the gospel. Hallelujah. Something like onward, Christian soldiers. How many Christian soldiers are here today who say onward and not just onward, onward and upward? Hallelujah. It's a great opportunity. I was thinking about this morning as I was sitting in my early morning chair and I was up a little bit late, probably six maybe because I had been sick and didn't feel good and I'd slept in an extra hour and I thought about the opportunity to spend time with the Lord, to start, to start my day. I want to tell you something, friends. There's nothing like starting your day with some spiritual nourishment. You know, and to socialize a little bit with God. Can I use that modern term? There's nothing like early morning socializing with God. Oh my, God, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something, teenagers. God has a Facebook. Amen. God has a word that you're to gaze at and see what you really are made of. And God can sit there at that time and really begin to bring out in you what you're lacking and what you need. You say, oh, do I want to hear that? You want to hear that above everything. You want to hear that if you don't ever hear anything else again in your life. You want to hear that. But you have to understand that Satan doesn't want that to happen. Now I'm coming to my real burden today. Satan doesn't want that to happen. He wants as soon as he can 
to draw you away from that. Get you feeding on the tree of knowledge and all of its worldly poisons. You know, get you to first thing out of your bed and, you know, as soon as, before you open your Bible, you're opening your phone. Before you're talking to God, you're checking your mail. And all the while, the Lord, like a gentleman, is just sitting there quietly waiting on you. <laughs> I said, Lord, don't ever let me be guilty of that. Let me come into your house. See, I thought it was your living room. It is. It's his house. I want to come into his presence with my hands up and say, oh, God, have mercy on me this day, Lord God. Oh, I'll get to my email. I'll figure out who texted me. I'll get, I'll get there. It doesn't matter. I'm always, somebody's needing something. But, 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 I, 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 but I need him. I need him. And, and Satan, Satan doesn't want that. He wants you immediately feeding on the tree of knowledge and worldly poisons. And there, the dance begins. There's where the dance begins. And your decision is, who is my partner today? I got more to say, but the Lord's prompting me just to stop right here. Who is your dance partner? Today, friends, I want you to think about that deeply. Who do you, who do you want for a dance partner? Ask yourselves that question humbly. Bow your heads with me. Musicians, quietly make your way to the platform. Anthony, bring, come with your team. While every head is bowed and Every eye is closed now. Just people holding positions, coming to their place. Don't be looking around. Don't be distracted. I want you to think as they prepare whatever you're going to go with, Brother Ken. Just, just while they are preparing now, I want it deeply on your mind and your heart right now. Say, Lord... What's the real desire in my heart? Don't let me continue to think I'm okay if I'm not. Don't let me, there's no deception worse than self-deception. It's the worst deception in creation is self-deception. Say, Lord, have I let my life get so busy? Be honest now, be honest with God. Have I let my life get so busy? Hands, I haven't even asked for hands. Hands are already going up. Have I let my life get so busy, Lord? Have I allowed the, the, the wrong conductor in my life? Where am I at, Lord? What kind, of, what kind of dance is my life? Why don't you stand to your feet with me, friends? And If you feel in your heart today that this word has spoken to you deep in your heart, why don't you raise up, join me and raise up those hands and say, Lord God, Oh, let my life be a dance of the royal court. Let my life, oh God, be under your control of your rhythm and your beat and your sheet music. Let my life, oh Lamb of God, let my life be, be played out to the sheet music of the word. 
the word that you've sent in this day, this wonderful, glorious word. You found the earth in a catastrophe. You called me out of it. You called me to serve you. You called me to worship you, but not just worship you. You called me to worship in spirit and truth. Forms of godliness you have no use for, none. You don't even want them. You even told Israel, don't even bring me that kind of offering. I don't even want it. I won't receive it. What you want is a sincere heart that will come to God in an honest way. Say, Lord, I need you today. Oh, both of my hands are up again, Lord. I need you today. Oh, come, Lord God. You saw I had more in my notes. I'm sure it'll, I'll catch it at another time. It's still burning on me. But I, I just felt led of you, the Spirit of God to just ask the people right now, what's your dance? What did your dance begin as today? What will it be tomorrow, Monday morning when you wake up, teenager? What will be your dance Brother, sister, when you're at work, young people, when you're at school, there's going to be all kinds of dances going on around you. Which one are you going to dance? What's your decision? The king is waiting to hear your answer. He's waiting to hear your answer. I tell you in the name of the Lord anointing me now, the king is waiting on your answer. What will you say to him? If you can't muster the courage to commit to his dance, then just say this. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Oh, I promise you, you just start right there and he'll give you the dance. He'll give you the kind of music that you need. Oh, Lamb of God. Perhaps we didn't come today expecting this kind of a finish. I know I didn't. But I know you're here right now. And I know you're dealing not only with their hearts, you're dealing with my heart. Oh God, you're calling me higher. You're calling us all higher. I believe your coming is so soon. I wanted to go through the word today and so prove that, but perhaps you've got it for another time. But if there is another time, if I never get another chance, and this is my last sermon and the rapture comes, then let the world know that I left the earth saying, Lord, I want more of you. I want more of you. That'll be the last will and testament of Jason Watkins. That's the last thing we heard him say. That's the last dance we saw. He danced. I want more of you, Lord. That was the cry of his heart. I pray you'll grant it to us today. Sing for us, Brother Ken. Oh, make it personal. Make it real personal. In your image. Just you and Jesus now. In your life. Make that a prayer. Make it a prayer. For you are holy. Think about what you're singing. You are faithful and Sing true. Sing those words with oh, meaning. My Jesus, oh, my Jesus. I want to, I be, want to like be like you. I want to be holy. I want to be holy, holy, there's a yearning, oh, yes, there's a cry, 
Words now in your presence. I have stayed, I have lingered, I have prayed to be like you, to be like you, as you are for the deepest cry of my heart.
be that kind of a real God? Oh, I don't care what your need is today. Lay your hands on your neighbor right near you. Right now, right now. Lay your hand around somebody standing near you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we bind every contrary spirit. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we deliver God's people. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we speak victory. In the camp of the Lord, in the camp of the King, and Satan is defeated. Our children are saved. Our bodies are healed. Our, our spirits, our minds are delivered. We're strengthened by the power of the risen Christ. Oh, the same God who brought you the word today will now con confirm it in your life. Oh, begin a new dance with him today. Begin a whole new thing. Say thank you. Raise up your hands and go to thanking him, friends. Right now, all over the building, say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your deliverance. Oh, you thank him, I promise you. Holy Spirit, move right over you right now. You take him at his word and believe him from this very hour. I don't care what it is. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Oh, we worship you today, Lord God. We worship you today. In spirit and in truth. myself away oh so you can use me my life is not my own my life is not my own to you I belong I give myself oh yeah my life is not my own